Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with my friend and colleague, Sophia Barna. Sophia has a master's of education, a master's of social work. She's a registered social worker and a licensed mental health therapist here in Toronto. Originally, she was a psychologist in Romania. And she's been practicing psychotherapy in Canada for over 20 years with an expertise in the area of trauma, optimal learning and performance, peak experience and consciousness research, and spirituality. Sophia is a certified EMDR therapist with the International EMDR Association, as well as a certified EMDR consultant who provides consultation to other EMDR practitioners. She's an international trainer and speaker and the author of The Simple Way, A Graceful Path to Success. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi, Alison. I'm so delighted to be here again. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always a joy to, to be together and have, uh, have really good conversations together. Well, and I, I, I will start the conversation by saying we have so much to talk about. I already know that we will have you back on because you have great depth and breadth of topics, as you know, because when we do get together for our little coffee chit chats, there's no end of things to talk about. So we will have you back again and again and mine through the different topics that we can nosh on and help parents. But today, you, when we were saying what would be a great way to kick off um, introducing you to my parents, and um, you had a very catchy suggestion for one thing that you speak about, and you talk about wounded parenting and right away the hook of that wounded parenting I need to know more so tell me what do you mean by the term wounded parenting so to put in really simple terms um, wounded means when it's hurting it's hurting us and it's hurting others and in this case um, our wounds as parents could hurt the ones that we love the most and we care about the most our children i will also explain further this this woundedness um we we kind of all know what wounded means on on a physical personal emotional mental even spiritual level but uh, uh, I really got it uh, many years ago when um, I was working with children a lot. So parents would uh, set their their children for uh, for therapy, 
you probably know that it's it's just it's just so delightful to work with children. They are like like plasticine. They are so easy to to mold, to transform. They are so eager and then playful. So it's a it's a true delight. When it's about us as adults, we are more cemented and uh, our patterns are more ingrained. So um, uh, talking about witness, I, I had a session with uh, a little boy who was about seven or eight years old, and uh, uh, it was close to the end of our work together, and he wanted to make a drawing for me. So um, I was excited about it, and then he showed me the drawing, and it was him in the drawing in the rain with an umbrella uh, holding in his hand, and uh, but the umbrella had lots of lots of holes in it so i i was wondering like okay it's great that that you are protected you have the umbrella but why the holes the big holes in the umbrella what's uh, what are this all about he suddenly turned sad and he said well every time i i come here i feel safe i feel protected but then when i go home everything starts all over again and my umbrella doesn't doesn't hold so it really broke my heart <laughs> and and it so happened that the same i think the same week uh, they probably happened in my career that uh, i had to make this shift and and things and uh, were coming to me so uh, later in that week i had the session with a little girl and it was right on her birthday. So we had this little birthday celebration in our session with a cake and uh, candles. And I asked her to make a wish. So she closed her eyes and she was really thinking about her wish. And she spoke it out loud. My wish is that my mommy will be happy. And that was it for me. <laughs> that is like, okay, so... So from then on, it, it really, uh, I really made a shift in my work. I said, no, this is, this is not all right. So I started inviting parents to work with. I, uh, but first I was literally, especially with the little boy, I was literally begging the mom to, uh, to do some work together, telling her that, okay, once we finish, uh, I asked her to give me 10 sessions. And once we finish, if she still sees difficulties with the little boy, then I will continue to work with him. But in the meantime, let's let's see what is it. so. Once we got into the mom's wounds, it it was so clear and so vivid that when we are not all right with ourselves, when we are not in a good place, when we are trying our best and we work so hard to be good parents. Uh, parenting nowadays, it's uh, it's not only an art, but it's such a hard educational endeavor. And we, we um, promise ourselves that, you know, once we have children, I will never ever make my children feel the way I felt at times as a child. And things are that when uh, we, we can keep our promise as long as we are all right, but then, when we are triggered, when we are exhausted, when we are um, at the end of our limits, then often we uh, we do worse than it was done to us, uh, and not not physically necessarily, but emotionally. Um, so more and more clear it became to me that, uh, and I kept saying to to parents, you know what, the the best thing we can give to to our children is um, is for us to find the way to our health, to our happiness, to our well-being. And really, um, happy parents raise happy children. Do, do parents necessarily know that they um, are, are wounded or need to do some healing? Or is that something that you need to convince them of? Do they have a blind spot to this? Often not, because we, we again, we uh, work so hard as parents to be strong to be all we needed to be and parenting nowadays um, is very strongly associated even to our identity so if i'm not a good mom i'm failing i'm failing as a mom i'm failing myself so in this way without being aware of it um what the hard work and sometimes the hard work actually it's too hard because it turns into force but we are so attached to it because, again, my child's failure is my failure. 
my child's identity is my identity. I identify myself with a child in the parenting role. And whatever I have unresolved, I have to work very hard in this. So often we don't see it. Uh, we Most often we dismiss it. It's like, well, no, no, I, I, I don't have big trauma. I don't have uh, big things. I'm, I'm fine, like, you know, comparing to real trauma. Um, so often we dismiss, we are very good at dismissing our wounds. We don't see each other as a wounded um, a person. As a matter of fact, um, we see as a sign of strength to, to dismiss our wounds, right? So not, uh, not bringing that up, it means that I'm strong. Uh, the stronger I am, the more I can hold on and not deal with that not open not um, so we see as a sign of weakness when um when we look at our wounds uh, often at the beginning we uh, we see that as weakness so uh, and strength in uh, in comparison to that so no we are most of the time we are not aware of that we are so invested in our children's care and their health and their happiness and uh, um, kind of um, even sacrificing ourselves. That's why parents are bringing their children to therapy more often than they would come themselves, because above anything, they want the best for their children first, and they are always last. So, okay, there is no time for me. There is no money for me. There is like, I, I will maybe one day, maybe after retirement, maybe... Uh, there will be time for me to, and that maybe nev never comes. And in the meantime, we continue to actually run the marathon of life that includes parenting as well um, with wounded feet. I think sometimes to your point about, you know, having part of it is having a blind spot um, to it. But I think maybe part of it is that when people hear the language trauma or wound, that they assume it's something bigger. And we forget that, you know, these are these can be the the small, you know, the small T traumas, the the painful. We all have some painful memory. So I don't think any of us escape uh, our our own families of origin and growing up and our selective memories of that experience without having some little pain point that you know may be to some level intruding on our functioning and our different roles in life or intruding on our full actualization or pursuing our full spiritual development or uh, allowing us to fully parent but I, I I think it would be fair to say we're not just talking about the end of the spectrum of people that you need need big work. I mean, this is for all of us to turn the mirror on ourselves and say, what is it for me? And and in fact, tell, tell me if you agree with this, Sophia, I, I tell parents, like when their kids are creating discomfort for them, I say like, that's information lean into that that that's if you're wondering where your where your pain points or your wounds might be just wait until you're in a situation where you are like not liking your your emotionality you're getting irritated or you're getting angry or you know your wick gets shorter or whatever it is and it's like see that's interesting so something there is a little live wire that gives you some information about what might have happened in your past that you need to investigate Absolutely. And you're absolutely right that trauma is not defined by the event that happens. Trauma is defined uh, by the impact that it has on us. So yes, there is capital T and the small t trauma, meaning that it really doesn't matter what happened. It could be a car accident, it could be a rape, or it could be somebody in grade one, uh, a teacher saying something in a certain way, or a bully um, in the in the courtyard. Um, so it doesn't matter the event. What matters is how it had an impact on us. And often that impact gets stuck in there on an emotional, mental, and also physical level, on a somatic level. There is a, uh, an expression in trauma treatment, the body keeps the score. So often we, we don't, we are uh, quite disconnected from, from um, our emotional wounds. Mentally, we, we try to rationalize them, but um, the more we uh, mature and <laughs> the older we get, I guess, uh, uh, the body shows it and we, we start having health issues. Um, and uh, so, so that's uh, often those chronic health issues are just a symptom, a manifestation in the body, at the body level of old 
wounds, old experiences. And again, I, I will try to stay away from just using the words wounds and wounded because that sounds a bit more like deep trauma. But um, um, all of us with all of those past negative experiences that um, had an impact on us and we didn't have the chance to uh, to resolve it, to close it. So in this way, we we didn't have a chance to actually because nobody's really teaching us how to deal with our emotions. We talk nowadays about emotional intelligence as being 80% uh, for the success in life comparing to the cognitive intelligence. Um, but um, we, we are not taught uh, how to deal with, uh, with emotions. And when we don't know how to do that, we don't know how to teach our own children how to cope with uh, with their distress, right? So, and it's it's not these things, we are not teaching them verbally what we're preaching, but uh, um, just as we copied the ways of uh, um, our caregivers used to cope with, with their emotions, and we copied that and we took them on, uh, being expected to just know how to, to deal with emotions, mostly is to suck it up <laughs> and keep going. Um, but when we are not at ease with this discomfort of uh, especially coming from from the negative emotions, but the positives as well, surprisingly, um, when we are out of our comfort zone, we um, we teach the same modeling to our children. So in uh, in therapy, there is this term of uh, uh, distress tolerance. Right. So distress and that, uh, there is one term, but at the same time, there are two separate words, too. There is distress and um, there is always distress. The life, life, it's, it's just like the weather. It's not always sunny. It's not always blue sky, uh, but stress and distress, they are there all the time. They are more when we carry with us. Um, unresolved past um, emotions and experiences, uh, but in the present, every day we deal with that. And then in distress tolerance, there is the aspect of tolerance. So how okay I am with not being okay with the distress, right? So this is something that we can learn and it's not like uh, it's not just learning with the mind because that takes us to a certain level where when we are all right we can be rational we can deal with what it is but when we are so called triggered and uh, um where we are tired exhausted then um we we lose everything and and emotions have the veto right and they step in and we feel out of control and then guilt comes in because uh i i work so hard to be a good parent but then uh i mess it all up in in a split second and um, then other dynamics are coming from that so yes trauma is not uh, just the, the big trauma in terms of uh, events but uh, to be honest, I, I've never met a person in my in my personal or professional life that um, didn't have any past uh, traumas, past negative experiences that nobody taught us how to resolve them. And this is affecting it's affecting us in all aspects of the life, uh, in our relationships, in in our work, um, in um, every pursuit, even the spiritual pursuits that uh, that um, we uh, choose to take on. This emotional, our past, unless we we free it, then it tends to build up and we, we carry it with us. And sometimes we, we really want to fly and, and uh, be the most we can be, including uh, the best parents that we wish to be. But we have these rocks attached to our feet that are just pulling us to the ground. And it's, it's constantly a hardship. And it's, it's pain in that as well. And I think this is why, again, we can see our children as a gift because uh, they are like the canary in the coal mine. The other relationships, your coworkers, your boss, your your spouse, um, you know, they, they probably have adult capacities that kind of buffer some of that um, and, and work with you in a way that you're not in such distress. But a kid, you know, they're just 
pure. <laughs> They're so pure. <laughs> they don't have human compunction. They're not necessarily going to cooperate in a way that's going to um, uh, create a, a cooperation for your pain points. And so they're going to manifest when they're not getting what they need and they're not uh, acquiescing to what you need for your emotional caregiving in the, in the way that you need it. They're going to be demanding. They're going to make you tired. They're going to be exhausted. They're going to lean into that space. And if they're not getting what they need, they're going to speak up about it. Maybe not in words, but in however kids externalize and sometimes internalize their, their communication with their parents and they're not going to be okay. And so as distressing as that is to a parent, it means that this maybe quiet, hidden issue that has been holding you back from being all you could be and having a, a life happier than you're living it is now being called to task. And so if you can take the gift that is being given to you by that annoying damn child and that last blowout where you weren't proud of yourself and you have mommy guilt and say, I, you know, if, I, if, if I'm not willing to do better for myself, I at least need to do better by my child and go and then go do this work and find out the world opens up so much more than just parenting, right? You, you must have seen like transformational experiences with your clients that go far beyond how it started with a with a, a problem with the child that moved to parenting that moved to to self healing or healing work through your work. Absolutely. So this is this is a very important distinction that you mentioned. So first of all, yes, children um, they do have this umbilical cord, this emotional mental umbilical cord attached to to us. We each of them have each of us have uh, umbilical cords attached to the ones that um, we care uh, about the most. Uh, and unlike the physical umbilical cord that it's cut by the physician at birth this emotional umbilical cords, they, they stay sometimes for a lifetime. So children have a mission often of, um, of um, killing us, actually. They, they are really preoccupied without being aware of it, of our well-being. They, to the point where the child could feel that I cannot be okay unless my mommy, my daddy is all right. So they start on in this mission where uh, they want to make the, the parents happy so they can be happy, right? So this preoccupation, it takes away from, uh, from their growth, even the mental uh, cognitive growth and then their performance, academic performance that parents are so preoccupied with. But if they're not all right emotionally because they are not allowed the space to, to be free to grow, but they are, uh, in a way, imprisoned uh, by their preoccupation with uh, with the parents be, being all right because the parents' emotions affect them. And truly, when uh, they're uh, contagious, when uh, when we are not all right, we kind of set up the weather in the house, especially as um, as moms. Moms have uh, have more power because they are more connected to to emotions. So we are kind of the um the sun <laughs> into the house and uh, uh when we are in a good place with ourselves when we are happy the whole house is happy and everybody comes home into this space and it's it's good weather here inside uh, no matter what happens outside the the home um but when we are not all right uh, when when we are in a low point when we are chronically depressed when we are fearful of life and what could be um then this is this sets the weather in our homes and it could be all right outside it could be a perfect sunny weather outside but once we enter our space even our physical space um uh, the weather is changing and in time the weather turns into a climate and it's not just here and there where it's raining or stormy but there is this gloomy darker climate where it seems that the sun doesn't have any room to be and and uh, also as an example from from my clients, I was working with a young lady at one point, and uh, she was processing some uh, uh, memories uh, from her um, when she was in high school, and the way she expressed it. So she said that, okay, I have this very strong image that when I come home, and I enter the house, I feel that I'm not welcome there which is again heartbreaking because I knew the, the the mom on the other hand and the mom would do anything 
anything, anything to make her child happy. So, so it's kind of, again, heartbreaking to see this discrepancy where all of us, all of us have such good, really pure intentions. And we are going to talk today about the, uh, the conditioning and the love and what is love truly and uh, what is not. Um, and this relates, so, so we are there as parents when we ask ourselves, okay, what's what's really my job as a parent? What what am I supposed to do? Uh, because I cannot do it all, and I cannot be a teacher, and I cannot be a life coach, and then I I cannot be the physician, and I cannot be the lifesaver. And what what's my role that belongs to me only as a parent? So what comes down to what is it that we can give and and maybe the whole world cannot give uh, if we are not able to give it, is that love. Our job as parents is to, to love this human being <clears throat> that, that we uh, helped bring into the world. And we are not the creator of that life, but we are part of that um, process of bringing uh, this being into, into life, into material form. So love when we say that of course I love my child of course I would do anything about my child but what is really love and what is not so to understand this uh, we can imagine you know relationships and we're talking about those umbilical emotional umbilical cords and they are really like some strong ropes that in every relationship we enter with our own um, uh, balls of yarn with these strong ropes and we bring them together, we hand the other uh, end to the other person, and then it starts this process, this dynamic of pull and push, and, and pull and push, and, and getting and uh, doing. So, so we create this web of ropes and forces and dynamics that are, are engaged in there, uh, often very exhausting of pushing and pulling and never getting it quite right, and then more pushing and pulling. And this web is created and we think that this is love. The more we push and pull, we somehow believe that this is how we care about one another. And if I wouldn't care about them, I wouldn't work so hard, I wouldn't push so hard, I wouldn't force it so hard. But in this way, we confuse love where the key word in love is unconditional no conditions. So instead of the web of ropes that we think makes love, love is actually in the space in between, the empty space in between these ropes where all conditions drop. There is no, I love you if you behave the way I want you to, if you are who I want you to be, if you make me feel good about myself, if I, if you are close or not to me, if and then, no if and then, and no in order to. I love you in order to. I do this for you out of love in order to, so you can. And there is another condition coming up. So in this space where we drop all conditions, one by one, they come because they are part of our programming. They come. This this is how we we were trained ourselves. We came into this world and pure with coming from the place of unconditional love, with the expectation of unconditional love. And we enter the school of the world, the school of society, of our family. And slowly we started being learning the ways of the world, being programmed, being conditioned, through conditioning, programmed into the ways of the world. And we learned, we learned everything that we know in the present about ourselves, about who I am. If I try define, defining myself, even as a mom, I am related to what I learned that I am in relationship to the world to others. We learn this about us, about others, about the world, about life. And all of this, it's learning. It's man-made 
learning, it's programming that removes us. And in time, we forget more and more of who we truly are. Children are closer to that. They don't have uh, such a long time in this programming and it's not as cemented. They have less years. And they, for them, it's easier to remember. And it's easier for them to, to feel free, to, to have joy. To We have as adults, especially nowadays, we even struggle to have joy. In our process, we, we were so deeply, hardly conditioned and we bought into this conditioning and constantly working hard to be more and more and more. And always with the feeling that I'm never enough. I'm never quite who am I supposed to be. And there is always more that I'm supposed to be and always comparing. And, and in this process, again, removing myself further and further away from who, who I truly am. I'm also a good mom too. I am free. There is no conditioning. There is no contamination. I am in this space in between the ropes where we are being with one another. And I can, I can let myself be what I am fully. I can give myself permission to, to just be who I am. And by giving myself that permission, I give my child the right to be what they are. Just like a tree that, you know, we each come from our own seed and we keep growing from that seed. We keep growing more and more vertically, vertically towards the sky, towards the light and more into being what we are already. Self-permission, if I was born to be um, a peach tree, there is absolutely no reason to spend the rest of my life to, to transform myself into a plum tree. And if my child is born to be a, a cherry tree, my role is, uh, as a gardener is to nurture that, to, to provide what's needed for that cherry seed to keep growing into the most of the cherry tree that is meant to be. And there is no, at every point in time, there is no not enough or not being what am I supposed to be. But every, whether it's a seed or a tiny little tree or full grown tree, we are all that we need to be at that point in time. And when we acknowledge that for us, ourselves, then we, from that, from what we are, we give that space for others, including our partners, our children, to be and to grow into the most that they are already. And people will hear that and say, so you don't believe in discipline? <laughs> well, they're, not, they're not contradictory ideas. It, it can be authentic and guiding the child. Absolutely. absolutely. So the way I see discipline is uh, the difference between power through power and force. So discipline often is confused with force, with my will over your will, over the will to make you 
into what I, I want, I decide for you to be. So that's against the freedom. So discipline, discipline coming from a place of self-alignment is I am, I, I'm grounded. I have my reference point. I'm aligned with myself as an adult and I'm here for you as the child to help you grow in your own way. So I provide the framework. I provide, I'm the gardener, right? So if you look at the job of a gardener in the way of discipline, how the gardener, gardener discipline the trees in the orchard or the flowers. So in that regard, the way uh, the word itself, discipline, comes with a nuance of force, right? Versus uh, discipline versus love. Now, love doesn't mean that we have to be, I don't know, pleasing or, or uh, just put the child um, um, in the king's throne and we are the slave. No, no, that's not love. That's the other end where we we are not aligned with ourselves. We don't. We are not connected with our core, with our strength, and we we beg and plead and and for the fear of being perceived as a bad parent. Then I'm bending and actually I'm doing a disfavor to the child because the child needs a strong, mature adult. They need us. They need us to be strong, not in the way of being forceful, aggressive, that's not strength, that's quite the, the opposite actually, but to be, to have the power, to be connected with our core, with our power, to be aligned with ourselves and have that maturity where it's okay, I've got you. You can be in distress, you can, you can have a tantrum right now, you can cry, you can, it's all right, I've got you. I've got you. it's okay, it's okay, you are safe. So to have this presence, we need to be able to have to hold this space for ourselves first. When we are in distress, when we feel that we are failing, when our buttons are pushed, when we are overwhelmed with the chaos of life, to be able to hold our own inner child. And there is a chapter in my book about uh, positive self-parenting. Right? So we each have a little one inside that in many aspects hasn't had a chance to, to fully grow. It might have grown physically, uh, mentally. We might be very accomplished, highly accomplished adults. But emotionally, the emotional maturity and growth comes from meeting the needs. And often those emotional needs Others didn't know how to meet them because they didn't know how to do it for themselves. And we don't know how to meet those uh, emotional needs for, for our children unless we figure it out for the little one inside. So to be able to be good parents for our biological children, we really need to go through this process of learning of how to be a good parent for the little one inside. And that really speaks to how intergenerational wounds happen because we, you, as you're doing your work, you realize my parents weren't trying to be mean to me. They were doing the best they could do for their life situation. And when they were a young child, they had needs that their parent didn't meet. And so it goes and so it goes and so it goes. So this is really an exercise in not passing that baton onto our children um, by, by stopping now and doing our work. So how do, what are the, what are the pathways? How do we work with a, somebody shows up and says, I'm in, I, I'm, I'm going to do my work. I'm, I'm going to come do my exploration and, and heal, heal the wounds. I don't want my child to suffer from my deficiencies. What are the roots inward to do this work? So there are many, but I will, I will stick to, to three, <laughs> the magic number. So the first one is to, for us to, to be aware of this, to be aware and to, to have some mercy <laughs> on our own uh, woundedness to say, okay, yes, that hurts. I kind of know where is it coming from. It doesn't even matter at one point what is it coming, what is it coming from. And yes, there is inter, uh, intergenerational trauma that often we we don't even know um, how much it's in there. But ultimately, we are here, and it's reflected in us, and it shows. It's manifested in us. 
So um, if not for myself, yes, the best gift I can give to my child is to, to close these wounds with me, to do my work, to take this, my own responsibility to do this healing work. So all of this that might have come in, the, in different cultures, they say that we pass on to seven generations our wounds, our traumas, our unhealthy dynamics and patterns, we pass them on to seven generations. So whatever it's in me that comes, keeps coming back and whether in parenting or, or uh, in my work where I say, okay, this is going to end with me and whatever I need to do. And if there is a way to heal, I will take that on and I'm not going to let this go further. This will stop with me. Right? So stopping not by pushing it away, but unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know, but the, the, the only way out of pain actually is through pain. And that's, and that's a deterrent for people digging into this work, because they think if I open that nut, I don't know if I can face looking at what's in there or if I open it, it'll just keep flowing and flowing and flowing. And I don't know if I can manage that pain, but relief is on the other side, right? You got to go through it. Yes, absolutely. It's like you are here in the middle of, of the mountains and, and a whole lifetime we spend trying to get to the other end to get, but the only exit is to this tunnel that seems very scary. It's dark and it feels like it's never ending and it's overwhelming. So, but this is the exit going through the tunnel to get out of it. And yes, there is, there is, there is always light at the end of the tunnel and you don't have to do this alone. And there are different approaches in terms of healing. Um, so the, there is the regular therapy. Personally, I work with, with the therapy that it's very, very um, powerful and efficient. It works uh, quite fast. It's a laser focused therapy that uh, you can you can accomplish uh, what with regular talk therapy you could accomplish in a few years. With this one, you can accomplish in in a few months. Um, so it's called EMDR, and it's uh, um, it's actually a trauma based treatment at uh, its origin, um, and it works with activating this self healing system that we have um, in each of us um, uh, in our nervous system and connected uh, uh, through the nervous system with every single cell in our body. So we have just like we have uh, the circulatory system, we have the nervous system, we have this self-healing system at an emotional, mental and body somatic level that its purpose is to, its function is to process, to digest, to metabolize the impact of the past negative experiences that are stuck in ourselves. And we often find ourselves stuck that I, I can't move forward, that no matter what I try, no matter what I do, and I feel overwhelmed, I keep feeling stuck. Um, so this system, it's, it's again, metabolizing. It's a, like a laxative that helps uh, metabolize um, the stuck experiences that they have built up in time like a domino effect. And what shows up in the present is just is just a tip, it's just a reflection of what's the patterns that have been building up in time and often inter intergenerational as well. So EMDR, again, it's a, um, it's a very powerful, efficient therapy that uh, I call it emotional surgery because it's not just dealing with the symptoms, it's not just dealing with the outside, uh, with the, the even the physical pain, but it really opens the wound to see, okay, what's feeding this pain? What's feeding this behavior? What's feeding this stuckness? And, and um, it's connecting, um, I, what I, another thing that I love about it is that it's working simultaneously with all aspects of us, with the, the emotional part, with our thoughts and beliefs our, uh, about ourselves and the world and others, um, with um, our body, again, the body keeps the score, and uh, with our soul as well. So it's like a table that has four legs, and each leg uh, is very significant. Most of the time, we put an emphasis on the mind and the reasoning and everything goes right here and we talk it out and we rationalize it. But then unless 
it's a process and released through the body, through the emotional layers. It stays in there and uh, it keeps it keeps locking us in like a little self-made prison. So we come from a culture that just really loves to um, elevate the importance of how smart we are in the brain and and um, what they don't realize is that that same smart brain makes incredible defense mechanisms. And <laughs> sometimes you have to like go in through the body and go in through the, the, the pre-conscious and, and you, to get that release. Um, and really the, the mind, the, that part of the brain is this smaller part of the equation, but we elevate it in our culture. And so many other cultures rely on more embodied methods and, um, and they're way farther ahead than our very narrow range of, of modalities. Through, through our, uh, our mind has become a very, very strong uh, weapon that when we don't know how to use it, it could be really uh, whether self-harming or harming others. It's a very sharp knife that, you know, a knife, it's a, it's a great tool, sharp knife, but if it's in the hands of a neurosurgeon saving lives or in the hands of a criminal, it's the same knife that, that could make a huge difference one way or the other. Uh, so yes, we learn to put lots of emphasis on uh, on the mind, but children and ultimately us, uh, we go through through the embodied experience, uh, through touch, through through releasing touch. It's so important in children, even for the for the cognitive development. Without the touch, the neural pathways in the brain are not properly formed uh, in childhood. So. Um, so coming back into the body, coming, uh, and, and we forgot, we forgot how to do this. Again, we are, so it takes retraining to be able to, uh, to connect, to connect to the body, even through nature, to walking, to movement, and to connect with our emotions, to be able to gradually learn that it's all right to feel, that these are just feelings. It's not who I am be all right with our thoughts, remembering that, okay, who am I? I'm the one thinking these thoughts. I'm not the thoughts. I'm the one feeling these feelings. I'm not the feelings, right? So remembering, and this is uh, this question is so essential to, to really know who I am in truth. Um, and then everything start dismantling from there, including uh, those conditionings and then the, uh, our self-trapping in our own mind, in our own uh, uh, tunnel that uh, keeps going. So this is one thing. Healing is one thing that uh, that uh, we um, we owe it to ourselves and to others to do. Um, but aside from that, because it's a journey and, and sometimes it might feel like it never ends and there is always more. So it doesn't mean that uh, before we heal, we cannot uh, be in the world or we cannot parent or we cannot be who we want to be. Um, so this is one side. But in the meantime, in terms of parenting, another thing to, to move beyond our wounds and our past is to first of all to to be aware to be aware when when i'm stepping when i'm when i'm losing the ground here because i'm stepping into this dream where things are automatic i'm taken over by my emotions by what's happening and to pause pausing it's so significant just to push the pause button it's like okay let me breathe it's like taking that washroom break and we take a few minutes of break to, to come back to me, not to be pulled away into these waves that keep trapping me, but to come back, to ground myself, to center myself, and to act from the position of the adult, the mature person that I am right now. Often when, I, when we are pulled back and triggered, we are pulled back in time, literally. Our five-year-old could make us feel that I'm the five-year-old. So a significant question when we are trapped in these uh, emotions and triggers, like, okay, how, how old do I feel right now? Pausing and identifying, how, how old do I feel in this situation? 
oh, I feel like I'm I'm five years old again. They treat me this way, and I I promise myself I will never never let myself be treated that way. And so if I feel that I'm like a five year old, it means that I'm acting from that place. So I need to acknowledge that, to be aware of that, to take that pause where the little one inside, the five-year-old is like, okay, 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 I've got you. You don't need to deal with this anymore. Let me, the adult me, deal with this. And I step into the mature adult position and dealing with the current situation and at the same time protecting the little one and giving eventually the chance to the little one inside to heal as well. That's an example of the skill of parenting yourself for, for people that, you know, because um, you can be in a situation where the heals, the, the wounds that need to be healed, you you may not still have your your mother or your father to have conversations to get understandings of transgressions in the past. You, they don't need to be part of your healing. The healing is all your own and bringing yourself back up through your maturation, uh, uh, finding your authentic self does not need to involve your sisters and your parents and other people that were in your developmental years. This all is... a a self-inventory, self-work. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes, nobody needs to be part of this process. It's all between us and ourselves. And um, often what we were left with those expectations and wishes to have the parents that we wish to have and we couldn't have, if they were in the present, we wish them to be at that time. It could feel at one point as if they're trying to breastfeed us in the present. <laughs> it doesn't fit anymore because we are not those people anymore. We don't have the same needs. We just got stuck. There are parts of ourselves that got stuck in those needs, but we are not. Uh, and so we cannot, it's like we cannot fit into the, uh, the dress that I used to wear when I was five years old. So that doesn't fit me anymore. But at the same time, parts of myself that I still carry them with me in my body, they need closure. They need healing. They need to have the chance to um, uh, to uh, outgrow as well, to mature and come, come into alignment. So again, healing is one um, um, aspect. Awareness, being aware when I'm triggered and pulled and I'm not present here. And then it's also very important uh, with our children to always remember that this being that I happen to be the parent for them, um, they are their own being with their own life. They're not mine per se. I, I didn't give them life per se. Just like if God forbid something happens, I cannot give them life again. So since I'm not the creator of that life, I cannot create life. I have to be humble and to understand that their life, it's not my life. Their identity, it's not my identity. It's really not about me. What it is about me is what belongs to me, my health, my well-being, my life. It's like a country where I'm, I'm the queen in that country, but they have their own countries and they are the queens, queens and the kings in there. So I have to respect that that life doesn't belong to me. I cannot manipulate it. I, I cannot make it into what I want it to be because I'm not the creator of it. So giving that autonomy, no matter the age, the autonomy for them to have the right to, to, to be who they are, to, to have their life and to lead it in their own way, including their own mistake as well. And I'm here, again, just like the gardener, uh, helping that growth process. So realizing that my child's failure, it's not my failure. My child's success, it's not my success. It's not, but they, what belongs to them, it belongs to them. And what belongs to me, uh, it's resumed to, to me. So remembering my place, my role, and constantly, if there is anything a challenge in this uh, parenting role, I guess they, they really are very good personalized teachers to teach us this, this love, this unconditional love, how I can be with myself, with one another, from this place where all conditions drop, one by one, if in order to drop in, coming and dropping. 
coming and Self-care is very important because when we are not at our best, when we don't have enough sleep, when we, we don't attend to our own even basic needs, and we think that we sacrifice ourselves for our children, it's also against the natural mechanisms because at one point, if I don't do take the ownership, the responsibility of my own care, for my own needs, for my own health and well-being, then somebody else has to do it. And usually there are children who, again, they, they take on this mission of uh, wanting and, and striving for, for the parent of my mom, my daddy to be all right, so I can be all right, right? So at one point it could feel like as if we are trying very hard to breathe instead of somebody else, hoping that the other person, the child in this case, would do us the, return the favor and breathe instead of us. It's just not the right mechanism, right? So we need to take the ownership and often what we call uh, selfishness. In fact, it's self-responsibility. It's taking the responsibility for our, our own care, for, for what belongs to us and, and attending to that, attending to the right sleep, to movement, to water, to eating well, to taking the breaks, to to all of this, uh, attending to our growth as well and not getting stuck because ultimately we, we give to our children the model, a model of how we live our life becomes a model. So beyond of what we are preaching and what we are saying and what we are trying to teach them that we don't follow, they, they really learn from, from who we are. In this life. So, so beautiful. It's funny, we get so wrapped up in teaching them algebra, you know, and phonetics and grammar and geography and these very human skills that really sustain us through every other thing that we'll ever have to do or grow or challenge we'll have to face starts with these fundamentals. And we really just brush over them or we think they happen without any consideration and it's not it's it's been amazing to stop now do we get the three we got, re recap the three we've so healing is uh, is one of them uh before healing is awareness being aware being uh being very honest with ourselves i call this radical self-honesty to be honest with myself what is this all about when i feel pulled when i feel that i'm not all right i'm not the parent that i wish to be What's happening here, right? So that awareness and with that pausing, pausing, just, just like we take the washroom break. Again, we have this emotional mental hygiene. I have a chapter in my book as well about the emotional and mental hygiene where we take those breaks to, to um, uh, release whatever we, we need to release that it's staying in the way and to be able to, to come back uh, and be centered, be in the present. Um, so awareness and this emotional hygiene, with that comes the self-care, selfishness versus self-responsibility. Ah, that so, was the third one I was trying to capture. Yeah, yeah. So, so selfishness, what we might call again, it's self-responsibility. It's taking the ownership of, of our own well-being in our own hands. It's our own job to, to take care of that. And we, we need to do it. We cannot uh, hope for others to give us the time, the space to save us. Uh, from ourselves um, that and then again remembering what's what's my primary job here as a parent my job is to love again and again and again you mentioned that you cover some of this in the simple way a graceful path to success your book um, but that's not specifically what the book is about what can you just say generally what's if people grab a copy of the book what will they find in there it's a, it's a self-help book about how we can work with ourselves to remove those mental, emotional barriers that are staying in our way and uh, getting us stuck and not allowing us to be uh, and uh, to be what we want to be and to do what we want to do in our life. So um, those self-sabotaging things, uh, again, coming from, from the past, from our conditioning, from our programming, from what we learn from others, from expectations, but um, untangling those and, and removing those barriers for us to reclaim 
the ownership of our own life, to reclaim that that crown as, as the queen or the king in my own country, in my own life. Um, so, and one aspect of it is, uh, uh, yes, is the um, emotional mental hygiene, how to deal with uh, with our um, uh, emotions and thoughts with that sharp knife <laughs> of our mind, um, and uh, also how to take care and with a positive self-parenting, that it's a way to um, to free some of the past that we get we got stuck in it also talks about the flow experience that it's very much connected to the high performance and how we can actually come fully to life and then follow our life purpose and and really be in that flow of life bringing to, to life our our greatest gifts and then sharing them with others uh, but ultimately again whether in the parenting role or uh, in other roles in our life, I guess our our main purpose, our main job, um, it's always reduced to, to learning how to love. What a great book for us out of our own self-responsibility that we should pick this book up to start 2023 off on, off on a <laughs> off on a great foot. Don't you think that's a, a wonderful way? Everyone does a reset at the beginning of the year, and that would be a great a great tool to move forward. Um, I want to just give you the last moment. Is there anything that we uh, you wish that you had said or anything else you want to make sure that we cover? Otherwise, I will um, I'll wrap us up and let people know how they can find you after this conversation. So another thing, because there is so much again we, with the mind and through the book as well, we understand with the mind, but ultimately we need to walk the walk. So um, aside from my uh, from the individual work uh, therapy that I, I um, do, I also offer, pro offer prog uh, programs, uh, group programs. So in January, I will start um, again uh, a program. It's called um, Healing and Flourishing with EMDR. So what we talked about in our discussion today is um, this uh, this program offers the way of how we can work with ourselves to actually uh, start this inner decluttering, inner renovation, uh, inner healing process that um, it's it's freeing us. And then um, at the end of it, we, uh, we can really, again, step into life again with all aspects of it, but from a completely different place from from who I am versus who I was taught to be or learned to be were were induced to be were but coming back to me so so I again I reclaim my life and then live it I have this motto that this is my life I live it my way and I I make the most out of it so <laughs> I, I I will we'll definitely put a link to that is it a virtual event or an in-person it will be a virtual um, event start on January 17th. Um, so um, uh, yeah, uh, this is this is also a cost effective uh, option for people who are not necessarily covered by insurance plans or uh, uh, or, uh, don't have um, the possibility of full therapy. Uh, this is a, a cost effective option to still do this uh, inner healing work that we, we so needed. So. I love it. I love it. Thank you so, so much for your great insights, for your contributions to the world, for making time for me again. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and we will uh, definitely do this again in 2023. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.